भद्रम कर्णेसृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षजत्रा स्थिरंगुवागम सस्तनु व्यशेम देवितयदायु स्वस्ती न इंद्रो वृद्धस्रवाह स्वस्ती न पूषा विश्ववेदा स्वस्तीर्णस्ताक्षरिष्टनेमी स्वस्ती नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओ शांति 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 May we hear with our ears what is auspicious. May we see with our eyes what is auspicious. While praying with steady limbs, may we attain the lifespan allotted to us. May Indra bestow well-being on us. May Pushan, the God of Earth, who is all-knowing, bestow well-being on us. May Garuda, the destroyer of evil. Bestow well-being on us. May Brihaspati also bestow well-being on us. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. So we were almost in the concluding portion of the second chapter of second part of Mundakopanishad. There are eleven mantras in this chapter, and we have studied till the tenth mantra. the 11th mantra is remaining so as we have mentioned in the last class that we will have a synopsis of the entire chapter before we conclude this chapter with a discussion on the 11th mantra so the second chapter of the second mundaka it describes the brahman it describes it in sublime poetry what it describes it describes brahman as the source of all beings as a discipline for attaining the knowledge of brahman we find that the meditation on om has been prescribed the om which is the symbol of brahman the vachaka of brahman that has been prescribed there's a meditation on that om has been prescribed as the way to attain the knowledge of brahman and then why we should try to attain the brahma gyana in this very life because the result of such meditation is spiritual illumination which results in the destruction of all doubt and ignorance and as we have mentioned while discussing that even a fool won't do anything you cannot motivate even a fool to do anything unless there is a purpose behind it so by the destruction of the doubt and ignorance the bliss which we all hanker for the sense of this purpose which we hanker for the all the purpose is fulfilled the bliss which we hanker for in this life is attained when we realize the real nature of our existence so that's the thing there's a in just we can say has been described in the second chapter so now we will take up the mantras which we have already studied 
one by one and we will just go through them uh, just uh, as a synopsis we will go through them to summarize the entire chapter before we conclude this chapter by studying the last mantra the 11th mantra so the first mantra of the second chapter of second part of mandaka parishad what it says it speaks of brahman as the ultimate cause of our individual psychophysical existence so that will be indicated in the first mantra so what it says avihi sannihitam guhacharam nama mahat padam atra etat samarpitam ejat pranat nimishat chayat etat janat sat asat varenyam param vigyanat varishtham prajana so avihi it is self effulgent avi speaks of effulgence and that effulgence is not far far away that sitting on the top of the clouds he is ruling the world no he is sannihitam near at hand where he is very near not even the that that the nearness is not the proximity is not something apart from me just the way i am at proximity with my friends and relatives he still he is the inner core of my being guhacharanam is well known as moving in the heart mahatpadam and it is a, he is the great goal we all are striving for it knowingly or unknowingly mahatpadam padam means the stage the goal mahat that's the ultimate there's a supreme goal atra etat samarpitam in it is centered everything what what what's that everything ejat pranat nimishat ejat everything that moves pranat everything that breathes nimishat everything that blinks so in uh, totality what we can speak of that ejat pranat nimishat what it speaks of in totality the entire flora and fauna any form of life that we see on this earth they all are as if centered in that brahman the brahman is the ultimate reality when the entire sentient existence etat janata sat aset asat varenyam padam that know that to be your self etat janatha of that which is gross sat asat here sat means anything that is gross and asat is a subtle that which i cannot see the causal thing so of anything the mind as well as the body this the mind speaks of the psychological being and the physical existence is the manifested thing that is the thing which is manifested so the psychophysical existence the gross the subtle and the gross behind that it is the self and self alone and know that to be yourself which that which is which has been extended projected as the gross and well as as well as the subtle means as the mind as well as the senses and the entire annamaya kosha the body and it is 
the most adorable, Varenium. We all want to achieve it. That's why it is adorable. The thing which is adorable, what we adore, the thing which we want to attain. So that's what we adore. So it is adorable and it is supreme. Nothing is beyond that. But at the same time, it is beyond the understanding of creatures. Vijnanath Varishtam Prajana. So as we were discussing, what's the basic idea behind this? That the entire flora fauna behind that, all, all the sentient things which we see, ajat, pranat, nimishat, cha, the cha indicates even all those things that doesn't wink. So the, and even there's the plants, everything, all the sentient beings behind that as the substrata, it is the Brahman that is the core of the being. As has been mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita, No creature, moving or non-moving, can exist without me. So, how it exists? It exists as the mind. That's the mind is being located. Where is the mind located? It is in the heart, the center of all our feelings, of our emotions. So we find as if the mind is moving, how it moves? It moves along with the feelings, along with our emotions. It's constantly moving along with our thoughts. But that mind itself is not conscious. Generally, we have the idea it is the mind which is moving. But here it is being mentioned that the conscious principle, when comes in association with the mind, makes the mind active. And then the mind moves along with the senses, along with the sensations, feelings, emotions. That's what being indicated by this Guha Charang Nama. He's moving. He's as if moving in the heart. And he's a, he's a great goal. We all are aspiring for it. As we have indicated, that the entire process of biological evolution is nothing but the aspiration to reach that ultimate source of our existence. We are doing it out of ignorance. That the thing, the example which we give again and again, the self got reflected in the body-mind complex. And from the body-mind complex, the ego is always coming. That I am eternal, I am eternal. But we find that the body-mind complex is not eternal. It's a flow. Now. But ego, the ego which is coming out of ignorance, we take the ego as if the ego to be real, as if the body-mind senses are saying that I am eternal. But we find the body, the body is not eternal. The, this our psychophysical existence comes to an end. To realize the ego in the body-mind complex, that ensues the biological evolution. Constantly we are chasing to attain eternity in the flow, which is never possible. But this at last as a human being, we find, we realize that I'm already, I'm already eternal. I'm already fulfilled. I have no wants. I, I can never be annihilated. I am the self. It is because of my wrong identification with the body-mind complex. That has resulted in all the evolution. 
Once this wisdom dawns in, the renunciation sets in, vairagya, the viveka and vairagya. The things with which I am identified, they are not real. The reality is something behind it as a witness. I try to identify myself with that and disassociate myself from all the things which are just mere flow. And then associating with my own self, again I regain my lost glory. So what has happened the entire process? I was constantly in search of the thing which is always with me. It was never lost. I was somehow forgetful about it. So this, the thing which I am searching, knowingly or unknowingly, through the entire process of biological evolution, at last entering in spiritual evolution, speaks of the Atman, the Brahman, as the Mahatpadam, the thing which is the ultimate goal for the entire existence. So that's why it's called Mahatpadam. In it is centered all the flora and fauna, Ajat, Pranat, Nimishat, Chayat. So once we know that, Etat Janatha, once we know the self to be the essence of our being, which is behind the mind as well as the senses, as well as the body, once we know that, what happens? That leads to the fulfillment, the final spiritual emancipation. But at the same time, knowing is not something, something like knowing the external objects. We cannot know it objectively. I have to be established in it, identified with it. So I can never know the knower. The moment I know the knower, the knower becomes known. It's no more subject, it becomes object. So I can be one with it, but at the same time, I can never know it objectively. That's when we indicated by the last phrase, Vigyanat Varishtam Prajana. He's beyond the understanding of creatures. Though it is the essence of our being, but we cannot comprehend it intellectually the way I can comprehend any other objects. So after saying that, the second mantra, what the second mantra? The second mantra will speak of that it's not the same Atman, the Brahman, who is the core of our existence, is the core of the entire existence. Anything sentient, insentient, everything, the thing which we see as jada, as inanimate, the stars, the galaxies, the entire universe, everything is supported by the same Brahman. Here comes the idea of the non-dual reality, the Advaita, the re- the one who is in me is the same essence is in everybody and is the same essence is behind the entire creation. That's being indicated in the second mantra. Yat architam, yat anubhya anucha, yasmin loka nihita, loki nahacha, tat etat aksharam brahma, sapranaha tat uvak manaha, tat etat satyam tat Amritam tat bedhavyam somya vidhi. Sayat architam. That word architam again 
speaks of the luminosity that's the ultimate ultimate source of the luminosity behind the entire creation if it illumines everything else gets illumined so that which is radiant yat archimat it is subtler than the subtlest and at the same time greater than the greatest so yat anubhya anucha that cha indicates the greater than the greatest it is smaller than the smallest greater than the greatest if the anything is a projection of something if when i see the spectrum the prism is kept in the in the presence of white light and it breaks into spectrum so what can i not say that the white light is in each of the spectrum as well as it in the entire spectrum so if i try to just uh, find out the nature of one part of the spectrum that also has been projected by this white light as well as the entire spectrum if i take the there is a the entire band if i take that also has been projected by that white light so it is a white light alone which has been projected as the smaller than the smallest as well as the larger and the largest so that's why the it is subtler than the subtlest and larger rather than largest because it the thing which has been projected is permeating the thing which uh, which has been projected when i see the huge reservoir uh, as in the desert the entire desert is been projected as that huge reservoir so each and every particle of the water in the reservoir is nothing but the projection of the desert as well as a huge reservoir is the projection of the desert so the vyashti as well as the samashti the individual as well as the collective existence is being projected by the self and self alone so anubhya anucha yasmin loka nihita loki nahacha all the various stratum the loka the stratum of existence there's a various stratums of existence it's not only we who are living in this earth there are various levels of existence and there are other beings who inhabits on those various levels of existence so it's all are permeated by the self and self alone by brahman and brahman alone yasmin loka nihita loki nahacha so that by which all the worlds and their inhabitants are supported tat etat aksharam brahma cha prana tat uvak vak manah so that verily is the indestructible brahman that's the that which is uh, being projected as this entire universe know it for certain certain that it is something indestructible in this world whatever i see is destructible because they are all flow but the one which is being projected as this flow in the form of this entire universe is the aksharam is indestructible and at the same time he is brahman the word brahman comes from brihatu means brihat so it permeates the entire existence that which is being is indestructible is permeating the entire existence because it alone is being projected as the entire existence so that's the brahman who is behind that entire existence that is the prana 
speech and mind it's the same thing the the reality which is within me is the same reality within the and behind the entire universe so that is the prana the speech and the mind it again speaks of our individual existence and that alone is the truth tat etat satyam tat amritam and that is the truth and that is immortal so anything that is immortal alone is the truth so as that is immortal so that alone is the truth so in vedanta the definition of truth is that whose existence is never interrupted by any phase of time past present or future trikal avadita alone is satya so as the brahman alone is that immortal ex- existence behind the entire creation so it is the only truth that is the truth so tat etat satyam tat amritam and the last phrase is an instruction tat vedavyam so that alone is to be struck with the contemplation the you have to merge the individual the idea of this individuality the individual soul the atman in the brahman so that has to be penetrated penetrated vedavyam is to penetrate to be shot at by the mind that is the so what it is speaking of you have to concentrate the mind by constantly contemplating on the idea that i am the atman i am the brahman so this contemplation speaks of that penetrating just the way the next shloka the mantra will speak of the way when i shoot an arrow from a bow the arrow pierces the target and as it becomes identified with it so with our contemplation the individual self has to merge in that absolute self so that's the idea of this vidhavyam that that has to be penetrated somya vidhi so here the teacher is asking the st- is stressing uh, the disciple so know that to be the only goal of your life somya the one of his beautiful mind who has already have calmed down his mind is equipoised he is a somya so what is your duty vidhi penetrate penetrate that goal become identified with it so that's the instruction and now in the next true mantras the third and the fourth mantra is how to strike the goal the target has been explained how to become identified with the absolute self has been explained dhanu grihitwa the third mantra of the second chapter of second part of mundaka upanishad dhanu grihitwa upanishadam mahastram sharang hi upasa nishitam sandhayita ayamya tat bhavagatena chetasa lakshyam tat eva aksharam somya vidhi so taking the upanishad as the bow as the great weapon the bow dhanu grihitva upanishadam mahastram that is the great weapon this upanishad is a great weapon that is a what's the weapon it's a bow hold it and then what you have to do after holding the upanishad as the bow one should fix on it sandhayita an arrow the sharam 
the shara is the jivatma the individual's soul that you have to that arrow you have to fix on the bow of named upanishad so sharanghi upasa nishitam and that arrow has to be sharpened upasa nishitam means sharpened by meditation by upasana upasa nishitam means tikshnikrita upasana upasana dwara tikshnikrita with the help of upasana it has been sharpened sharpened tikshnikrita by meditation upasana so this arrow has to be sharpened by means of uninterrupted meditation on brahman and then the individual self will get rid of all the impurities so this idea is still elaborated in the next mantra so with the help of this example that hold the bow the upanishad is the bow in which the individual your jivatma is the arrow which has been sharpened with the contemplation what's the contemplation constantly thinking of the self the brahmakara vritti this contemplation can be of any form you can think yourself as i am the self aham brahmasmi and as a devotee also when he is contemplating on the divine that also is a contemplation on the self though there is an idea of duality we must not forget that there is no sadhana which is non dual all sadhana is in the realm of duality the one who is meditating on god what is the idea god is immortal he was he is he will be the essence of my being the real me is immortal i not as a physical the psychophysical existence i am not immortal but the essence in me the atman is immortal a devotee wants to be in association this limited self this unlimited self the individual self which is immortal wants to be in eternal association with the paramatma so that's duality but when i say aham brahmasmi that also is duality why that aham speaks of this individual being and brahma speaks of the ultimate reality though i am saying i am brahman but the idea of individual amness is still there that's why i'm saying am aham aham brahma asmi that word asmi is just linking the duality so there cannot be any spiritual practice which is non dual non dual is a state we can reach that state but sadhana is in the realm of duality so all the sadhana whether it is a this contemplation on god or it is the contemplation on the self it is the contemplation actually on atman on the ultimate reality through that we have to sharpen the arrow means to have to uh, sharpen the arrow means that the jivatma has to be as if uh, sharpened what how can the jivatma be sharpened means it has to be it has to get rid of all the turgidities the mind full of distractions <clears throat> the mind full of <coughs> desires you get rid of that and that's how the arrow is getting sharpened and this arrow has to be now shot to the target so 
once it gets shot to the is shot to the target what happens the arrow pierces the target as if the arrow gets one with the target it's identified so ayamya tat bhavagatena chestasa so drawing the string this ayam means to draw the string means withdrawing the sense organs so two things that the entire spiritual pra- the practice has only two aspects what is that abhyasa and vairagya even in bhagavad gita we will find that bhagwan says that that this mind is so difficult to control but it can be controlled by abhyasa and vairagya so that's being indicated by the word ayamya tad bhavagatena chetasa ayama speaks of vairagya you withdraw the senses the drawing of the strings speaks of withdrawing of the senses and tat bhavagatena chetasa speaks of abhyasa immersing the mind in the thought of brahman in the thought of brahman so the what's your practicing your practicing contemplation on brahman and what you are renouncing renouncing the attachment to the senses and the sense of pleasures you are withdrawing from there so this too abhyasa and vairagya is being indicated by ayamya tad bhavagatena chetasa so when i can do that then the laksha is the paramatma the absolute self that can be pierced through and i can become as if identified with it so by contemplating on the meaning of om and the repeating the sound the aspirant realizes his self to be the reflection of brahman and the hitting the arrow to the target indicates the identification of jivatma and paramatma so through this process of contemplation jivatma loses all its attributes and become one with the paramatma so the illustration of the foregoing mantra will be further elaborated in the fourth in the next mantra so what it says in the next the fourth mantra pranavo dhanu sharo hi atma brahma tat lakshyam uchyate apramattena vidhavyam sharavat tanmayo bhavet so now it is specifying that previously told the upanishad is the bow now it is saying om when you have studied the upanishad the entire upanishad can be encoded in the syllable om what the entire upanishad speaks of the entire upanishad is an indicator that indicates the existence of brahman as the non dual existence behind the entire creation and that is the innermost core of our being and that om again and that uh, what you say that that ultimate reality is being indicated by the word om so om is as if the vachaka om is the vachaka of brahma which alone is being discussed in the upanishad so specifically it is the om is the bo and sharo hi atma the sharo the arrow which has been spoken of in the previous mantra is being now specified it is the atman the individual self and what is the laksha the target brahman is said to be the target brahma tat lakshya muchyate so what's our duty in life it is to be struck by an undistorted mind apramattena vidhyavyam 
the mind's contemplation should become like the flow of oil when i pour oil from one vessel to another vessel there is no interruption taila dharavat taila dharavat avichinna there shouldn't be any distraction the mind should be contemplating on brahman and brahman alone so that's what we have to practice so when we have developed that type of undistorted mind then the atman becomes one with brahman so with that type of contemplation when the arrow is shot from the bow which is omkara it goes and strikes the target and becomes one with it the jivatma becomes identified with the paramatma so this is the idea which is spoken of in the fourth mantra so it speaks of the practice that after stating in the first two mantras that the atman which is identi- identical with brahman is the only reality behind entire existence after saying that the third and the fourth mantra speaks the process by which i can get identified with that ultimate reality so i have to contemplate on om the om is the vachak of brahma so being when i pronounce om in that all the ideas which uh, constitutes the idea of that absolute reality is being encoded so that's the that's why we it has been spoken of that when you uh, study the upanishad upa means to approach i approach that knowledge ni means nididhyasana to approaching means sravana manana i hear the words of the upanishad sravana i contemplate on that manana and when with a with the with the help of the guru when my contemplation is ripened manana is ripened then what happens i develop an intellectual conviction about the reality behind the entire existence as the brahman and when i have developed that intellectual conviction now nididhyasana has to proceed nididhyasana is the contemplation on your intellectual conviction that will lead to the ultimate realization where all the attributes the false attributes adhering to the self they fall off to merge the self with the absolute self the individual self merges in the absolute and the life's purpose is fulfilled that way so apramattena vidhavyam this apramattena this pramada means lack of strong resolution forgetfulness about the goal so you have to be apramada you have to sit that you for meditation and just have to be quite sure that you have to have that strong resolution that the mind shouldn't waver away from the object of contemplation because with such irresolute mind with that type of mind the goal can never be attained it has to have a strong resolution where all the distraction has fallen off it's concentrated and then that with the brahmakara vritti where all the vrittis all the thought waves has fallen off 
only one thought wave, which is of the akara, of the form of Brahman. It is not Brahman, because still it's a thought. But this Brahmakara Vritti will pierce through the, the ignorance, this Ajnana, to lead to that ultimate realization, where the individual self merges in the Absolute. So, this the fifth mantra, what it is speaking, again it speaks of the self as the substratum behind the entire existence. Yasmin Deu Prithivich Antariksham Utam Mana Sahapranai Chasarvai Tameva Ekam Janatha Atmanam Anya Vacha Vimunchata Amritasya Esha Setuhu Anya Vacha Vimunchata Give up all other talk. The one who is the substratum of this world, as well as the space between uh, the earth and the heaven, as Yasmin Deo Prithivi Cha Antariksham. Deo is the heaven, Prithivi is the earth, Antariksham is the interspace. That which is pervading the heaven, the earth, the space between, in him is woven, is Otam means woven, permeated, is the heaven, the earth the space between, the mind, the prana, and the, all the sense organs, mana, sah, prana, chasarvai, they are also interwoven by it. The, as it was spoken of previously, the anu as well as the mahat, the subtler than the subtlest and the greater than the greatest. Everything is permeated by him and him alone because he is the one who has been projected as the universe. So in him is woven the heaven, the earth, the space between the mind, prana, and all the senses. And know that non-dual Brahman alone, tameva ekam janatha, that's the only one exist, one reality, that's non-dual reality. That's, have to know that. How we can know that? By giving up all other talk, anya vacha vimunchata. And that alone is the bridge to immortality. This type of Apramatta, this um, mind, the mind which has no pramada, which has no distractions, which is strong in its resolution, that alone can cross this bridge of immortality. That alone is the bridge of immortality. Amrita Sesashetu, that can take you to that immortality, can make that, can take you beyond the forgetfulness and again establish in yourself. That I am not going to attain something that prapti, it is not prapti, it is apti. Somehow I have forgotten my real nature. Through this practice, again, I become aware of myself, which is eternal. So now how this contemplation helps us to get rid of all our mental modules, which speaks of all our desires, and to get established the same mind after getting rid of all the desires at last merges, uh, it falls off, collapses, enabling the individual self, the reflection to merge with the reality. If you break the mirror, the thing which is being reflected, where it goes, the reflection, it merges with the 
thing which is being reflected. So when the mind, you get rid of the mind, the thing which is being reflected in the mind, the self that merges in the self, the thing which is reflected is the Jivatma. And the one, the the, the reflection is the Jivatma. The thing which is reflected is the Paramatma. So the Jivatma merges in the Paramatma. So now how to get rid of the mind? How How the mind can collapse? The practice which has been spoken of, that alone can entail in the collapsing of the mind. So it has been spoken of in the sixth mantra. Ara iva rathanabho sanghatha yatranadya. Just as the will of a chariot, there is a hub, the center of the will, to which the spokes are fastened, the nave of the will. The hub of the will in which the spokes are fastened. See, this, this example is being used here that all the spokes speaks of the mental modules. Our mind has innumerable mental modules. Each and every stimuli response conditioning, which we have developed through the process of evolution, constitutes a particular mental module. That when, as that with an example we gave, a microbe is drawn towards the nutrient. That constitutes a mental module that when, because of ignorance, I now identify myself with the body, with the micro body and to sustain it because that constant yearning is there that I am immortal, I am immortal. To sustain that, what we we do, that the body can be sustained only by the nutrients. It is drawn towards the nutrients. That constitutes a mental module, that stimuli. Nutrient is the stimuli, being drawn towards it is is the reflex. So this particular stimuli reflex conditioning constitutes one module. If instead of nutrient, there was some toxic toxin, I will be repelled by it. That constitutes another mental module. So because of Ajnana comes Asmita, the idea of individuality, from that comes Raga, Dvesha, Abhinivesha. Attachment, fear, and uh, anger, rage. The things which I don't like, I hate. I'm, I have, I, I'm always try to get rid of it. And the things which are which is very powerful, I don't have the strength to get rid of it. I myself run away from it. That speaks of abhinivesha. So, because of agyana, that we have these three types of reflexes. Either we are obsessed by the thing or we have the fight and flight response. And these three things in the process of evolution has has created innumerable mental modules. But all these mental modules are fixed to the nave of the will. If my individuality is the will of the chariot, all the spikes speaks of my innumerable mental modules and the nave of the will speaks of my asmita, the sense of this limited individuality. So he is as if moving manifold within the heart, as if he's uh, first getting identified with the ego, and then through the ego, it is moving through all these mental modules. So that's the idea. He's as if traversing through these various mental modules. 
to uh, interact with the world through various types of enjoyments. Om iti evam atmana. Now how to get rid of all these mental modules and get established in the self by constantly contemplating on Om. When I'm meditating on Om, what happens? That tat japa tat artha bhavanam. It's not a mechanical repetition. The each and every pronunciation of Om makes you aware of the fact that you are not that individual ego. That individual ego, because of ignorance, that reflection I have taken to be the self, that constitutes my individual ego. I am the Atman. I am the Brahman. I am beyond this, beyond this psychophysical existence. So Om Iti Eva the moment you are chanting Om, you are becoming aware of the fact that you are that absolute self. Constantly meditating on that is like hammering on the idea of limited individuality. You are hammering the nail. If one of the spikes break, that when I have an inordinate attachment towards something in life, by practicing renunciation, I may get rid of it. It's like breaking one of the spikes, but the other spikes are there. Innumerable mental modules are there that still holds onto my individual personality. How to get rid of the individual personality? I have to get rid of all the spikes. And how is it possible if I can get rid of the nave, the hub of the will? And this chanting of Om is like hammering on the hub of the will. When it is got, when you get rid of the hub, all the spikes collapses together, taking you to that illumination. You go beyond the mind and you get established in the self. The mirror is broken. The thing which is being reflected, the reflection gets identified with that. So may you cross the sea of darkness, paraya tamasa parastat. As long as we are identified with this limited sense of individuality, we are in dark. Because why it is dark? Because it is a product of ignorance. Ignorance is equivalent to darkness. So to go beyond the darkness means to go beyond the ignorance. And that's possible by contemplating on the real nature of yourself for which the Vachaka is Om. With that, by pronouncing Om, I'm constantly decoding in my mind the thing which is being encoded in the Vachaka Om is decoded by the contemplation. And that decoding process helps in getting rid of the nave of the will, the hub of the will. And that's how the entire will collapses with all the spikes all at once, taking me to that ultimate realization. So that's why, and now when I'm chanting that Om, the best place to do that when I'm Japa is the heart. Why? Because all my desires are linked with emotions. It's the emotions, the feelings that give them the strength. All the mental modules are linked with the emotions. If my meditation is just uh, through the will, somehow the love factor, the feelings, the emotions has not got linked with my contemplation. It will be feeble. It will be too weak to get rid of all these mental modules. They, are, they get their strength because of the feelings and emotions involved with it. So when I am contemplating on the self, I have to develop a love for it. That's why we find 
even in uh, Viveka Churamani, where it, it speaks of jnana, realization through knowledge, through Viveka, through discrimination. There also bhakti has been defined. That when you go on through uh, contemplating on yourself, at first, it is just the will and will alone. I have to use my willpower, have a strong resolution to contemplate on myself. But when I go on contemplating, this repeated contemplation creates as if a path in my mind. Once the path is created, it gets linked to your emotion, feelings, all the things which I have done out of necessity again and again. They have created a path in my mind. And then I have developed a liking for those things. The necessity creates the path, like a necessity results in repetition. Repetition creates a path. And once the path is created, we get obsessed by the things. And that obsession gives the strength behind all our attachments. So if I have to get rid of all those spikes, which are very strongly attached to the will, the sense of ego, my contemplation also has to be very strong. <clears throat> it has also to get associated with my feelings and emotions. So when I'm contemplating, contemplate under the lotus of the heart, the center of the emotions, the center of feelings. So that's being indicated in the seventh mantra. Yeah, Sarvagya, Sarvavit, Asya, Esha, Mahima, Bhuvi. Divye, Brahmapurehi, Esha. Vyomni Atma Pratishthita Manomaya Prana Shariraneta Pratishthita Anne Ridayam Sannidhaya Tat Vigyanena Paripashyanti Dhira Ananda Rupam Ambritam Yat Vibhati That self is omniscient in general and all knowing in detail. Yes, Sarvagya Sarvavit. It's not that the self knows everything just in general. He knows everything in detail because it is he alone has been projected as the universe. The thing which has been projected is the all-knowing. So everything in minute details as well as everything in general, he knows. That's what being indicated by the word Sarvagya Sarvavid. Asya Esha Mahima Bhuvi. This all the glory in the world belongs to him alone because he alone is the essence behind the entire existence. Divye Brahmapurehi Esha Vyomni Atma Pratishtita. So he is residing in the core of your heart. Divya Brahmapure. This Brahmapure, the city of Brahman, is placed in the space within the this, uh, this uh, within the heart. So Divya Brahmapurehi Esha Vyomni Atma Pratishtita. He is as if residing there. So we say he's all pervading. Then how can he be residing in the heart? It's not that he's just residing there. Brahman is all pervading, but he can be realized in the heart. Just the way light is everywhere. But I to perceive the light, eye is the center. Sound is everywhere. But to hear it, the ear is the center. Similarly, the self is everywhere. It can be realized when I develop an emotion in the contemplation of Brahman, which speaks of my heart. And that's why heart is as if the center of the Atman, 
he's as if centered there, meditate on him there. So he is the one who is the uh, cause behind all my thoughts. He's Manomaya, all the vital forces which is working through my body, prana, sharira, neta. Not only that, when after death, the subtle body, which mainly constitutes the mind, is transmigrates from one body to another, the vital force which transmigrates the self, the, the subtle body, that also the behind that the self is the one who is the, the real cause. So he is Manomaya, is Prana Sharira Neta. He is, uh, what do you say that? He assumes the, all the various forms of the mind and he also is the carrier of the vital forces and the body. So Prana Sharira Neta. He dwells in the body inside the heart. Pratishthita Anne Ridayam Sannidhaya. So he dwells in the body inside the heart. He resides there. Tat Vigyanena Paripashyanti Dhira. Paripashyanti. It's not like seeing an object. Seeing an object is Pashyanti. But Pari, when this prefix Paripashyanti is being uh, added along with this verbal root, then what happens? What it means? It means to realize the self within the self. Beholds him in all things. So paripashyanti, he, that he sees him as the essence of each and every being. So, and knowing that vijnana, it's not just ordinary knowledge, vijnana, that realization is something uh, which doesn't speak merely a conceptual knowledge. It is something experiential. You experience it. The when you go beyond the mind, you are established in the self. It is an experience which cannot be spoken of. It is avang manasagocharam, but it is something which is experienceable, not describable. That's what is meant by the word vijnana. You experience it in yourself, and that how you experience it, ananda rupam, amritam yadvivati. It is Amrita, that is Amrita speaks of Satswarupata and Chitswarupata. It is eternal, it is aware of its eternity. Sat is eternal, awareness of its eternity is the Chitswarupata and that awareness of its eternity is associated with bliss. It's full of bliss. Ananda Rupam, Yadbivati. And that's the prayojana, the utility of realizing the self. Because after all, no one wants suffering. Everyone wants happiness. And that happiness, that uninterrupted happiness, paramasukha, is possible only when one gets established in the self, knows the self as the core of his being and gets established in it, identified with it. And then only he can get established in bliss, the bliss which is uninterrupted. So after speaking that in the eighth mantra, the result which ensues from that realization has been spoken of. Vidyate ridaya granti, chidyante sarva sankshaya, kshiyante chasya karmani, tasmin drishte paravare. Vidyate ridaya granti, the knots of the heart all are broken. We have already discussed that. 
when you realize. And chidyante sarva sankshaya, all the doubts vanish. Because it's now an experiential knowledge. No more it's an intellectual knowledge. As long as I have not tested the mango, with all the words, which speaks out the test of man- mango, I can never go beyond the sankshaya, the doubt about the test of mango, because it can never take me to the real realization. All the doubts can vanish the moment I have tested the mango. There is no question of any doubt then. All sankshaya, the doubts falls off. I become dhriranishchaya, that's fully convinced about the test. Similarly, when I realize the self, it is no more just a mere intellectual conviction. Then only all the doubts vanish. Shriyante chasya karmani. All the karma, the karma which has resulted in this birth, which I have to expedite, that they have to be expedited. I have to go through that karma, the impulse which has started this life that has to be expanded off. As long as I'm expanding off the prarabdha, bhoga, as I'm totally detached from the psychophysical existence and I am identified with the self, so I can be just the witness of what's going on without getting identified. So it is not the karma which is the cause of bondage. It is the identification that is the cause of bondage. So as the identification has fallen off, so the karma gets expanded and no more it results in future births. So all the karma falls off. When it happens, tasmin drishte paravare. The one who is para and avar, the beyond this physical existence, that's the causal state, the mind and avara speaks of the visible, the visual manifestation of the mind. The mind is finding expression as this physical universe. So para and avara. The behind that, the one who is the ultimate reality. When that is realized, then these three things happen. All the knots of the heart is cut asunder, all the doubts vanishes, and the karma cannot bind you anymore. So after saying that, in the ninth mantra, it describes the foregoing verses, is explained, it is Brahman as described in the foregoing verses, is explained again. Hiranmay parekoshe virajam brahmanishkalam Tat Shubram Jyoti Sham Jyoti Tat Yat Atma Vida Vidu Atma Vida Vidu The one who have realized the self, what they know? That through the process of meditation, when your mind is getting illumined by the Brahmakara Vritti, everything else has fallen off. That speaks of Hiranmaya Kosha, which is the ultimate Kosha, the ultimate that as Shankaracharya used to give the example of camphor, the, the, in the olden days, the camphor was used to purify the water. When you put the camphor in the water, first it purifies the water from all the turgidity, at last to dissolve itself. So when you have purified the water and still the camphor is remaining to be dissolved at last. So that's the state which has been spoken of as Hiranmaya Parakosha. The mind is illumined by the Brahmakara Vritti. Everything else has fallen off. That results in that realization of the one which is Viraja, behind all Rajas, behind all impurity. Everything has fallen off. Brahma Nishkalam. That takes you to the realization of Brahma, which is not a conglomerate of constitutes. It alone exists. If anything is a conglomeration, 
it's bound to disintegrate. Brahman is the, abs- the ultimate reality which never disintegrates. So it can never be, uh, uh, it can never have parts. So it is Nishkalam. So you get established in that. That's Shubram. That's the ultimate pure essence of your being where no attributes adhere. Jyoti Sham Jyoti. It is a, the mind which we at present think is illuminated in the world is actually will illumine by the self. Just as in a full moon night, when I see the moon illuminating the earth, I know that actually the sun, which is not visible, is illuminating the moon and moon in turn is, is illuminating the earth. Similarly, that self is Jyoti Shang Jyoti, is the light of the lights. If mind is the light, it is the light of the light. It illumines the mind. One who, that one who is established in the self, they know it for certain. So after saying that, the 10th mantra speaks of that all the objects which illumine the earth, which we think are illuminating, are actually not the real source of illumination. The self is the ultimate illuminator. Unless the self activates our mind to project, and after activating the mind, the self projects through the mind to this uh, permeate the entire universe as the creation. So it is the self. When I say that the, the sun illumines, it is the one, the self, who sitting within me is certifying the existence of the Surya, of all the celestial bodies. So it is not the Surya or the Chandra that illumines. Everything has to be illumined through the Atman. Objects are illumined by buddhi or intellect. Intellect is illumined by Atman. So that's that's what is being indicated in the 10th mantra. Na tatra surya bhati, na chandra tarakam, nema vidyuto bhanti, kutoyam agni, tameva bhantam, anubhati sarvam. So the sun does not shine there, not the moon and the stars, nor these lightings, what to speak of fire, kutoyam agni, tameva bhantam. When he shines, everything shines after him. By his light, everything is lighted. Tasya bhasa sarvamidam vibhati. So it is a self which is illuminating the entire universe. So what it speaks of? The self through the mind, uh, as if it's being projected through the, uh, the self, activates the mind, and then through the mind, it passes through the senses to permeate the entire creation as this world of name and form. So it is a self which is being projected as the universe. So it is the self which is permeating everything. So once we go to that realization, that's what Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that by neti neti, when you go to the realization and when you come back, then you become vigyani. You see, it is the self which has become everything. He used to give a nice example that when you are climbing the stairs, so as if you are negating the stairs and to go to the roof, that I have to just cross the stairs, I am negating them, to go to the roof. Once I reach the roof, when I come down, I find that the material with which the roof has been constructed is the same material the steps are constructed. It is, a, it is the same thing which constitutes the self. So once you go that through neti neti, by negating 
when you reach the self and when you come back come down from that realization you see it is the self alone which has become the entire creation it permeates the entire creation so this the state of the vigyani who comes down from the uh, realization what he sees the entire existence is nothing but permeated by brahman so the next mantra concludes this chapter by stating that brahman alone is real it alone exists all that one perceives is nothing but the immortal and the unchanging brahman what it says brahma eva idam amritam purastat brahma paschat brahma dakshinata cha uttarena adha cha urdham cha prasritam brahma eva idam vishvam idam varishtam that immortal brahman alone is in front of us purastat that brahman is behind paschat brahma purastat brahma paschat it's on the right on the left brahma dakshinata cha uttarena adha cha urdham so it's perverse it's on the top on the bottom cha prasritam brahma eva so it pervades everything prasritam means it pervades everything idam vishvam idam varishtam so this and this that that which pervades everything that alone is the supreme so it is the thing which is permeating everything so that's the realization happens when our when the ego has fallen off that's why sri ramakrishna used to say our ego is like a pot ami roop ghat the pot named i when you immerse a pot in the ocean the ocean which is indivisible its water is indivisible what happens a little portion of the water enters into the pot and now the wall of the pot is the barrier to give you a feeling that this the water inside the pot is the pot water and the water outside is the ocean water so this the what which is inside the pot is me everything else is apart from me when the spiritual realization dawns this ami rup ghat breaks this pot the wall of the pot breaks then what happens the water within the pot becomes one with the water which is outside the pot it becomes one with the ocean so the entire spiritual practice is to as if get rid of that pot so that i merge with the self which is pervading the entire existence so the ego falls off to make you one with the entire existence that's being indicated by in the 11th mantra the last mantra ब्रह्म एव इदम अमृतम पुरस्ताद ब्रह्म पश्चाद ब्रह्म दक्षिणेत च उत्तरेन अध च ऊर्धम च प्रसृतम ब्रह्म एदम विश्वम इदम वरिष्ठम दैट इमोर्टल ब्रह्मन अलोन इज इन द फ्रंट ऑफ अस इट इज बिहाइंड अस दैट इज इन द राइट इन द लेफ्ट इन द टॉप एट द बॉटम इट परवेड्स एवरीथिंग अबव एंड बिलो दिस यूनिवर्स इज दैट सुप्रीम ब्रह्मन अलोन सो विद दिस अद्वैतिक conclusion this chapter ends here so we will take up the we will continue with the study of the mundaka upanishad by just uh, starting with the last part the third part of mundaka upanishad which again constitutes of two chapters so we will start our uh, discussion on this upanishad contemplation on this upanishad on the last part the concluding part the third part on the next class so thank you all namaskars